uh, Mina, who, who plays the role of our, our little star back here. Um, she has just got the sweetest heart. Uh, every Sunday that she comes in, she has to hug me. Um, and I say hug me, she latches on to me like Mary did to Jesus, you know, in the garden. She's like, I got just latching on to him, you know. And, uh, but anyway, she comes and she hugs me before the service, and she also has to hug me after the service. And uh, I don't know if I would be able to, to preach if she didn't do that, so uh, I hope that she'll continue to do that. But she's just got the greatest heart, and she came into, uh, she, <laughs> you know, I have an open-door policy about my office. As a matter of fact, it doesn't have a door handle on it, so it literally is an open-door policy. And she knows that because uh, on Sunday mornings, if the door's closed, I could be in there studying or, or praying with somebody or talking to somebody, and she just opens up the door and comes on in to give me a hug. So, um, and, and I appreciate that. I don't mind her coming in. Um, and she, she, she did that this morning, and, and I, was, I was just saying, I was remarking to somebody, I said, you know, until my heart gets like hers, I'm not going to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, that, that we're supposed to have a heart and a mind like a child to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said. And I really believe it's that innocence and that total dependence on your heavenly father. And today I was, I was just thinking about that and I had that on my heart. And we've been talking about in our little series that we've been doing, Tis the Season, and today, I, we did last week, we talked about tis the season for repentance and, and, and the condition of our heart. As we go into the season of Christmas, what are we supposed to be in our hearts? I know that there is a million different things going on around us. I know that there are family get-togethers and there are parties and there is a ton of food and, and, and calories everywhere. I get it. Look, I know, I mean, I, I've got the same thing going on and there is stress because you didn't buy uh, you haven't bought a gift for a party that you got tonight. I know. Look, I, I got it, okay? But really, I think we should take time during this season to really examine our hearts, to really get our hearts in the place that it should be in order to be able to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I recognize fully that, that according to historical, to, to historical records that it is most likely that, that Jesus was not born on December 25th. I know that. Uh, the shepherds would not have been abiding in the fields at night had it been as cold as it was in December. So more than likely, that's not when it happened, but it, that is when we celebrate it. So as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, let's take that time to examine our hearts. Um, I, I know that we're supposed to do that all the time, but let's take an extra special time during this time to examine our hearts. So that's what I wanted us to do uh, during this sermon series. I wanted just, just to take a moment and, and examine ourselves. So uh, as I started to think about where does our heart need to be uh, during this time, I started to think about that. And I, tis the season for repentance, surely. But also, this should be the season for humility. Humility. You ever, you ever think about the fact that, that humil our, our heart should be in a place of humility for the Christmas season? As we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that we should be humble of heart, I, that, that that is really genuinely supposed to be where we are. Now, now, you have to understand that humility was not considered to be a virtue until Jesus came along. You know that, right? So, so what is humility? Like Merriam-Webster, how does Merriam-Webster define humility? Humility is, is a modesty, a, a lowness of oneself. Now, if you think about that, it doesn't make sense conceptually to think of oneself as low. That wouldn't be a positive thing for you to think of yourself as low. And it wasn't considered a positive thing to think of oneself as low until you consider Jesus, until you pause and consider Jesus. And, and, and the fact that he was, he was born in such 
low circumstances. If you think about the, the condition in which he was born, there was no room for him in the end. There was no place for him to be born. He was born in, in, in a manger. I mean, like there was just this lowness about the very birth of Jesus, this, this place of humility. And if you think about God coming to earth, becoming a man, becoming flesh and blood, and, and he could have done that with, with, with just an amazing, an amazing just pomp and circumstance parade of angels and, and all kinds of, of just, uh, just robes and, and just having the high priest there. I mean, it could have been that way, but it wasn't that way. It was lowly. And it was, if you think about Mary and Joseph, it, it were two outcasts, if you will. Mary was on the verge of being stoned, you know. She was supposed to be stoned because uh, it was obvious that she was with child. And, uh, you know, Joseph, he, he took up the slack. He said, oh, no, 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 th this is my child. You know, she's betrothed to me. This is, this is my child. So they were kind of outcast. And then they were searching for a place. They were sent back to Bethlehem, and, and they were going there for the, to register to, to, to David's, the, the line of David's hometown. And they were looking around for a place, and there wasn't any place for them. Not even a place indoors. And they have to find a place outdoors for Jesus to be born, the very Son of God to be born. And who do the heavenly hosts, the angels, they're praising God and, and declaring the, the fact that the, the king has been born. And, and who are they declaring that to? Kind of the, the low people of society, the shepherds. Now, shepherds were considered to be kind of low in society because they slept out in the fields. They took care of sheep. They were kind of dirty, kind of nasty. In a lot of, a lot of ways, they were considered to be unclean, not exactly like as a leper to be unclean, but... A lot of times they weren't allowed to go into the temple area like other people. They were kind of kept out on the outside. A lot of times shepherds weren't even allowed to testify in court because they were considered to be low-class people. And here we have a host, a heavenly host, proclaiming that Jesus has been born. Emmanuel, the Savior, has been born. And it's being declared to some low people out in the fields. If Jesus comes into the world in such a low fashion, if God thought it so important for him to show humility as he enters into the world, what does that say about the condition of our hearts as, as we go into the world, as we come into the world, as we display ourselves to the world? A lot of times I think that, that sometimes we have this mentality of, of do whatever we can to kind of rise to the top, to get our way to the top, so that people can look up to us, so that we can be kind of better than everybody else, and, and it kind of happens naturally that way. Unfortunately, in this country, it appears that the American way is kind of just do whatever you can to rise to the top, to be the cream of the crop. It's just, you know, look out for oneself. That's, that's a mentality that a lot of us have, and that's a mentality that a lot of us kind of ha have, been, have been brought up in. And it doesn't come from a bad place. It comes from a place of, what do we do? A lot of times we say, well, I want my kids to have better than I had, right? That's what we say. I don't want my kids to have to struggle like I struggled. So we try to raise them up. We kind of boost them up. We try to encourage them. And I think inadvertently, we don't teach them everything that we're supposed to teach them, including a message of humility. And I think we're missing that 
sometimes. Aloneness. That as you try to encourage your children, as you try to build them up and raise them up and and show them what they're supposed to do, and, and yes, you are supposed to show them how to have goals and accomplish things in life, and that is wonderful, and that is a great thing to do. But you should also teach them humility. And you should not only teach them humility, but you should show them humility. We should be ambassadors of humility because our Savior was an ambassador of humility. He was the one that displayed humility in such a way that it became a virtue because of him. I think that sometimes we look at humility and we don't see it as a virtue. And I I believe that, that we're missing that in our society. And I believe that we're missing that in a lot of ways, especially here in the American church. And, and, and I, I really believe that, that this Christmas season, we should really examine ourselves and see, man, how much ex- humility do I exhibit in my life? How much modesty, lowness of myself do I really exhibit? Do I, do I really see? Or, or instead, do I have a sense of entitlement? Do I have a sense of, well, I deserve this. I've worked hard. This is what I deserve. When it comes to the kingdom of God, we've got to understand what it is we deserve. We deserve zero. Our our best efforts, our our most righteous efforts are like filthy rags in front of the righteousness of God. There, there There is nothing we can do. No matter how good we try to be, there is nothing we can do to become the righteousness of God. That can only exist through Jesus Christ. And, and here, the, 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 the Savior of the world has come into the world, and he comes into this low place. I think that we should try to mimic him if we're to mimic anything, right? So one of the things that we do in my house, it's a Christmas tradition on Christmas Eve, is we read Luke chapter 2, which you've seen portrayed today, and I'm going to read it to you. Just going to read it, because I think we should read Scripture too. Um, Not just talk about it, we should read it. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, which is something we do in my house every Christmas Eve. If you don't do this on Christmas Eve, you should. I'm just going to read the the first uh, 20 verses here. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for their baby to be born. She gave birth to, their, to her firstborn son. She wrapped, him in snuggling, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to, whom, to those with whom God is pleased. 
When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So we read that at home on Christmas Eve. And one of the things that just kind of just radiates through that story is the humility of God. The humility of God. The fact that he comes to earth as a man. Now, obviously... Throughout the Old Testament, God has said that he, he will become, uh, he will send a Messiah, a rescuer, a savior. Now you have to understand that when they hear that he will be in the line of David, when the, the, the people of Israel hear in the line of David, you have to understand that David was a great conqueror. He was a great king. He was a mighty warrior. And I'm sure that when the people of Israel heard that when there was another Savior coming, a Messiah coming, that they probably had in their mind a certain way that this Messiah would look. They had a certain idea about how, how mighty this warrior would be, that if he was going to rescue them and save them, that he was going to rescue them from Roman rule. He was going to save them from, from the people that had oppressed them that they would no longer have to pay the taxes for the people that they were surrounding them, that they would no longer have to listen to their rules and they would be able to govern themselves and do what they wanted. And I'm sure that they had a concept in their mind of what this Savior would look like. And they never would have imagined, they never would have imagined that this Savior would be there to save them from themselves. They never would have imagined that he would, he would come in such a way that there would be no place for him to even be born, that he would be born to two outcasts in a little place called Bethlehem, which is basically a crossroads in the middle of nowhere. And, and here, who would, be, who, who would God proclaim the fact that the Messiah had been born? Would it be the, the priest? Would it be some opening up of heaven in front of the temple and, and there would be lightning and thunder and a voice from heaven? no. No, it was out in the fields, in the middle of nowhere, in front of some shepherds. They were the low-class people of the time. who Most people thought that they were unclean physically and spiritually. This is not the picture most people would have had in mind, most Israelites would have had in mind about what the Messiah was going to look like when he came to earth. And if you were to picture in your mind today without having read the scriptures about if I were to say that God was coming to earth today, what is it going to look like? That's probably not the picture that you would have in your mind either. But I want you to take a moment and think about the love of God and the perfect picture of that loving God. And the fact that his love extends from the highest of the high to the lowest of the lows. And those that, that, that are at the low, those are at the low point, the, the bottom of the bottom, I, I think that they would feel a little bit left out if he only came in such a profound way that they, they would think that that was only for the people way up here and it was not for them. Well, God said that when he came, he wanted it to be for the people who were blind and sick and poor and rich, wretched, and he wanted them to know that there was a message for them. There was a message of hope for them. And he wanted that message to, to come through and to radiate for everybody. And he started at the bottom. 
He started at the bottom. Isn't it amazing the way God works? See, most people would think that God, being who he is, he would start from the top and work his way down, but that's not the way that God does it. God starts from the bottom and works his way up. It's a beautiful picture. That's not to say that the Pharisees were left out. We know that Nicodemus had a chance and he came to Jesus and that's where we get John 3.16 from. That he was a Pharisee and he got the same opportunity to be born again and, and Jesus went through the whole explanation that, man, you don't have to be born of flesh, but you gotta be born of the spirit and it's gotta be a rebirth that's gotta happen inside of you. See, it, it permeated all the way to the top, but it started at the bottom. It started in a manger. I think, I think sometimes in our life, we, uh, we have this idea. I hear this a lot from people. Well, I'm going to get everything straightened out in my life. I'm going to get my job situation, my career situation figured out. I'm going to figure out who I'm going to marry. I'm going to get my family together, and I'm going to get everything straightened out, and then I'll start going to church I'll start focusing on my relationship with Jesus. If they want to get everything else worked out in their life and they want to get everything else and they want a sprinkling of Jesus on top. It's like they want the whole Sunday made and then they'll just take a few sprinkles of Jesus and sprinkle it on top and, and, and that'll, that'll make everything perfect. It, it's it's going to just mi missing this little bit of Jesus on top and that's all you need to make everything perfect. I want you to understand today that, that Jesus is the base he, he, he's the thing that makes everything, uh, that holds everything together. He, he's at the very bottom because he's the thing that holds everything together. He's the rock at the bottom. And, and some people have to get to this very low place in life before they recognize that. Sometimes it takes drugs and alcohol or, or, or some kind of broken relationship in their lives. Sometimes divorce for people to recognize, man, that you know what I really need? I've been missing the bottom the whole time. I thought that I just needed a sprinkle of Jesus on top. It turns out that I was missing Jesus from the very beginning. And what I really needed was, was the platform. And what I really needed was the foundation of Jesus at the beginning. I think, this is just a guess. I think that sometimes here in, in this, this country that we live in, because we have things so laid out for us and we've got such great opportunity, I... I think that, that we miss the foundation of Jesus. And when you go to a place like Haiti, when you go to a place where they have nothing and they are praying day after day after day, man, they just need food, you know? They don't have food. They don't have clean water. And you ask them, what, what, can, I, what can I pray for for you? And those people who have nothing, you know what they say? I mean, they don't even ask for food. They don't even ask that God will provide food. They just said, I, I just ask that the Holy Spirit will be so strong in me that I wouldn't quit. Or I, I pray that God would just, would just remind me every single day that I need to be stronger for him and I need to, to keep going forward for him. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's your prayer request? What about the fact that you've been wearing the same clothes for seven days? Maybe that's probably what I would pray for. That's not their prayer request. They, they have a greater understanding of what their desperate need is, and their desperate need is Jesus. Their desperate need is the foundation, and that's what they seek. 
The only way that we're going to get there is if we have humility in our hearts. The only way that we're going to get there to understand what we really need is if we can take all the rest of the stuff and scrape it off the top till we can get down to the foundation. I think, I think sometimes that happens at Christmas time. I think we add so much on top of Christmas that we miss the foundation, that we miss what's underneath. That we, we've taken this, a baby in a manger with two parents and some shepherds, and we've added to it so much that we've gotten just away from this. How, how do you get from what I just read in Luke chapter 2 to all the other stuff that we do during the month of December? And, and you know what that is. I'm not saying they're bad things. Christmas cards, family get-togethers, presents, gift exchanges. I'm not saying those are bad things, but I'm just saying sometimes I think that we add so much on top that we forget the foundation. That we forget why we're even having the season all together. I mean, I know it's cliche to say, but Jesus really is the reason for the season. And, and, and most of the time, we're not even remembering Jesus in this. That's the reason most of us don't read Luke chapter 2 on Christmas Eve. I'm not saying that boastfully that my family does something special. I'm just saying that that's what we need to do. We need to get back down to the foundation. The only way you're going to be able to do that is to scrape, scrape the junk off the top and get down to the base to have humbleness of heart. And that was the problem with the people of Israel. You see, they had added so much on top of their relationship with God. They had added so many things, so many layers on top of this foundation of just a relationship with God that it no longer became a relationship with God. It was no longer about the relationship with God. It was, it was about showing everything else. It was about what they could display, what they could see on the outside, what they wore, how they, how they ate, how they dressed, uh, the, the things that they said. It became about all those other things, and it, it, they lacked the foundation, which was just a relationship with God. And, and Jesus came for the purpose of restoring that and reminding of this is the reason. It's about the relationship. That's the reason you added all that other stuff on top of it. It was about the relationship to begin with. We, we started out with the Sabbath in order for you to be able to rest and get close to God. And it turns out that, man, I can't, Jesus can't even heal somebody on the Sabbath without you getting mad about it. We, we just, we add on and add on and add on and add on and we forget. Have you been guilty of that this year? Have you been guilty of that in years past? Maybe you're not a Christian. You don't really know what I'm talking about. Maybe the Holy Spirit of God is kind of dealing with your heart and you're kind of wondering, man, I hear this and I don't really know this, this Jesus. I thought that I did. I kind of, people would ask me before what my favorite Bible verse would be and I would say, oh, I like the, the Christmas story. Maybe you really don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never had the humbleness of heart in order to admit the fact that you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never had the humbleness of heart enough to admit the fact that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. Therefore, because of that, you don't know Jesus. I think that there are too many times in life where we 
add to. We pile on. We get so distracted because we want to, in, in an effort to better ourselves, we miss what we were trying to do at the very beginning. We, we miss the main point. We, we've, we've added so much other stuff on top that we miss the whole point. I think that's what happened to the people of Israel. And I think that that's the reason why there was only a few shepherds and Mary and Joseph there at the birth of Jesus. Because the people of Israel had missed it. He was the true light, which gave light to everyone. He was in the world. Everything in the world was made through him, but the world didn't know him. He came into his own, and his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Not born of blood or of flesh or the will of man, but born of God. That's what John chapter 1 says. Today, you have a chance to just come in humbleness before God and either say one of two things. Either say, God, I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christ follower. And you reveal that to me today. And today I'm thankful. And today I will celebrate Christmas in a whole new way. Today I come in humbleness of heart and ask you, God, to forgive me and be my Savior. Be the Savior that I've needed all my life. Rescue me from myself. Rescue me from my sin so that I might spend eternity in your presence. That I might be in the presence of this heavenly host one day too, singing glory to God in the highest. Or maybe today you're a Christian and a Christ follower and you just need to come and repent and say, God, I've missed it. God, I've missed it. So many times before uh, I've missed it and today I, I want to repent of that and I don't want to miss it this year. Today, I want to get rid of everything else, and I want to ha come in humbleness of heart before you, and I just want to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The fact that you came so humbly, God, I want to be like you. I, 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 want, to, I want to come to this Christmas in a new way, in a new fashion, in a new heart, and God, I want to be different this year than I have in years past. You have a choice this year as to how you celebrate Christmas. You have a choice about the condition of your heart. The question now is how you'll respond to the Holy Spirit of God as he speaks to you. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your precious word. Thank you so much for the testimony of these young children who have given us a great display of the birth of Jesus. Lord, I know that there are people right now, Father, they don't know you. People within the sound of my voice that have never had a relationship with you. God, maybe they've never admitted the fact that they don't have a relationship with you, but Today, you have revealed that to them through your Holy Spirit. Well, Lord Jesus, I pray that you've spoken to them, and I pray that they would listen. I pray that more than anything else, God, they would listen to your voice and not their own. God, I know that they have a, a resistance in their heart, God, to, to humble themselves. Lord, but I pray that you would break down that wall. And I pray that today they would be able to humble themselves and come before you and admit the fact that they're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. Father, and then for those... Or they're Christ followers. They're believers in Jesus, God. But maybe in Christmas's past, they've not fully surrendered to you and they've not made you at the center of every single thing. 
God, I pray that today, maybe there would come a repentance to you and humbleness of heart and say, God, I need you. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would be responsive to you, that we would let your Holy Spirit work in us. That God, we would not have a hard heart, but we would have a humble heart this Christmas season. Tis the season to be humble. Tis the season for humility. I pray that we would be that way this year. God, start right now in our hearts. God, break our hearts, cleanse our hearts. God, and you do a work that we cannot do. And I pray that you would receive glory this Christmas as we come to you. And God, we just ask you to touch our lives and touch us, God, and remind us that we are loved. God, be glorified now as we respond and as we pray to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone stand?